The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today we are in the second part of our series, Made for More made for more if you if you've been thinking and you know that there has to be more there has to be more to my life there has, there has to be more to my situation welcome this series is for you so last week we laid a foundation on the story of gideon using the story of gideon in judges um chapter six like gideon many of us have things in our lives that question our greatness. There are things in your life that are questioning your capacity, your place in God, and the things that God has for you. In fact, sometimes there are things that are questioning your very existence. You hear a word. You believe God for something. And all of a sudden, while you are believing you are elated and you are excited then time passes and it's like did god really speak to me <laughs> it's 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 am i really made for more is there really more to life you see the truth is that every word will be tested every word will go through fire unlike Gideon, we are threshing wheat under a wine press and nothing is happening. We look and we disguise our operations because nothing is really happening. Like we learned last week that until God speaks, nothing happens. So it's okay to use our common sense and our intellect and our planning skills and you know all all you have to survive and to make things go forward but you see that is only necessary until god speaks when god speaks everything changes when god speaks you need to lay aside your plans you need to lay aside the things that Quote and unquote, you, you, you've set in place the, 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 the weeds you are threshing under the wine press and step into your destiny in God. And many of you are listening to God and you are hearing God, really. And God is saying to you, you are made for more. So we saw last week that until God speaks, the hero remains a zero. Until God speaks, the hero remains a zero. So looking at the story of Gideon, we see a couple of things that happened to him that we can learn from him to move from zero to hero, from less than enough to more than enough. 
we can see from the story of Gideon, we're going to look at five things to move from just managing and struggling and getting by to a place in God where you have over and above, where you are working in the destiny that God has for you. Are you ready? Five things that we need to look at this morning. Five things. Number one, from the story of Gideon, you need to be honest. You need to be honest about where you are. So honest admittance of your current situation. You need an honest admittance of your current situation. Verse 12 of Judges 6, Judges 6, 12 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, to him, and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the middle. No, 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 we see this, we see this in, in the life of Gideon. The, the angel says, mighty hero. Gideon was in essence saying, no, I'm a zero. <laughs> you know, Gideon was saying, look, I am not a mighty man of war. I'm, I'm hiding. How can you call me a mighty man of war? Look at all the things that we said God will do. Look at where we are. Things aren't what they ought to be. The first step from this story is a honest admittance of your current situation. You need to be honest about your current situation. And the truth is this, until you admit to where you are, you cannot advance to where you should be. Until you admit to where you are, you cannot advance to where you should be. Many times, we Christianize things. And there's a place for calling those things that be not as though they are. But to call the things that be not as though they are, you need to reckon with the things that are. You see, you cannot be in denial of the things that are. So what is the basis for calling the things that be not as though they were, as though they are? So until you admit to where you are, you cannot advance to where you should be. Ruth 1.8, Ruth 1.8 says, but on the way, Naomi said to her, now this is another classic example of admittance of current situation. If you want to see God move you to more than enough, you need to admit first where you are. Ruth 1.8 it says, but on the way, Naomi, now, uh, obviously lost her husband, lost her two sons. She was left with her daughters-in-law. And they were going together back to Judah. Now, she said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands, my sons, in essence. 
and to me, their mother. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. She blessed them. You can go. Then she kissed them goodbye. And they all broke down and wept. No, they said. We want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' home. For I am too old to marry again. Admittance of current situation. This is, look, it is not weakness and it's not lack of faith. In fact, faith requires that you admit your current situation before you can leap to where God wants for you. He says, and even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? This, this lady is brutally honest. Brutally honest. You need to be brutally honest. You need to be brutally honest. Until you are brutally honest, you're not going anywhere. You need to be what? Brutally honest. Brutally honest. Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not. My daughters, things are far more bitter for me than for you. Your situation is better than mine. Because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me, Naomi said. What a brutal truth she told herself. Many times, Christians are living in la-la land. And because you are living in la-la land, you are not truthful about the current situation of your business. You are not truthful about the current situation of your health. You are not truthful about the current situation of your finances. You are not truthful about the current situation of your marriage, of your relationships. You are not truthful until you see things for what they are. You cannot be more than you are. Woo! Until, until then, until you see things for what they are. You cannot be more than you are. From the story of Gideon, from last week we see that, number one, we are learning today that an honest admittance of current situation is the first step to being more to being all that God has for you. By the time we get to verse 19, it says that, so the two of them continued to journey. When they came, now, there were three. Now, it's now two of them. One eventually left. That's the story, most likely for next week. <laughs> Probably for next week. One left. It says, now, left with Naomi and Ruth, when the two of them continued on their journey, 
When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited at their arrival. The entire town. There was like a, a drum, a procession. You know, Naomi, they, they dun, 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 dun. <laughs> there was a, there was a, there was rejoicing. There was in the entire town. These people were people of notoriety when they were, when they were in, in Bethlehem of Judea. These people were solid people. So when they, they, they emigrated, they jackpot, if you will. <laughs> but they discovered that the place, the wealthy place, is where God is. It is not the country that you are in. It is where God is, where God has assigned you to be anyhow. So the old town was excited by their arrival. Is this not Naomi? Naomi today? <laughs> is this not Naomi? Oh, is this not Naomi? The woman asked. And immediately, a honest admittance of the current situation kicked in. Don't call me Naomi. She responded. Instead, call me Mara. What's the significance of this? Naomi means sweetness. Sweetness. Mara means bitterness. She's saying, my name. I'm not feeling my name. My name. This name has not worked in, in my favor, she said. This is the situation right now. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me empty. Why call me sweetness? Why call me Naomi? It's big. It's big. A honest admittance of current situations doesn't mean you are confessing negative. It means you are saying this is the current situation. This is the current situation. You know, I was speaking to some of my, one of my sons and he said to me, spiritual sons, and he said to me that, you know, when he entered the office, did like this. He closed the door. He said to me, that pastor, and he just started crying. Can I cry? Is it okay to cry? I said, of course, it's okay to cry. My wife must not see me crying. I said, no, just, just you and I. Just you and I. It's okay. Admit you are tired. Admit that is it. That's right now. It doesn't mean you will remain tired. It doesn't mean that's where you're going to die. But it means that is what you feel right now. That is the situation of things right now. And to the glory of God, you know, is doing amazingly well today. Praise God for that. <laughs> a lot of people are just dishonest. They're dishonest. A lady said she got married and, you know, then her husband discovered that she didn't have a womb, you know, after marriage. And she knew obviously me all along. And they came to the pastor, it wasn't me. And they said to the pastor, true life story, 
the man was confused. The man was like, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Young man in his late 20s. And the lady, and the pastor said to the lady, well, why didn't you just tell him? You know, the lady said, it is not my portion. Pastor, it is not my portion. Ah, and the pastor was like, did you know that you had no, say, that is what the doctor said. That's the doctor's report. I will never use my mouth to confess it. And the pastor said, but you're getting married to someone. Why didn't you tell him? pastor was trying to admonish them but the lady refused that the pastor should not confess negative over her you don't have a womb tell your husband to be the man even said that he would have been able to brace himself and there are other alternatives to having children however it was really dumbfounded and confused don't be like that don't be dishonest this is the current situation this is the current situation that situation can change there are people i mean i've heard it it doesn't make scientific sense that there are people without womb that have given birth to children there's nothing god cannot do i don't doubt it but you have to be honest with your current situation you have to be honest. I need not tell you what happened in that case. <laughs> you know? Another story of a man that was in debt. I mean, you know, I'm talking about hundreds of millions of naira at the time. It was a lot of money. And he wouldn't tell his intending wife. And they got married. And the woman is being threatened. They are threatening to take a newborn baby as, you know, because, and she's like, obviously, they came to the pastor. And the pastor's like, why didn't you tell her you were in debt? And he said, that is not my portion. I see green in my account. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Oga, say it as it is. This is the current situation. He says, but pastor, that is not my portion. You are in red. You are saying it's not your portion. You are in red. Yes, it's your portion in Christ. You are blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is in heavenly places. Until you connect to the principles of God and you bring them and manifest them on earth, it is what it is for now. He said, pastor, let, let the weak say, I'm, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. Pastor, I am rich. Then you should have told her that you are saying you are rich because you are poor. <laughs> you are saying you are rich because you are actually poor. Let the poor, the situation is poor, but say, I am rich. But before you can say you are rich, you need to admit that you are poor. Hallelujah. So we see, Gideon needed a honest admittance of the current situation. Number two, after a brutally honest admittance of the current situation, the second thing that needs to be done is, now this is, I mean, the first is, these five are huge, <laughs> honestly, you know, 
the, the first is so big, the second is huge. And second is this. You need to navigate the altars. Hmm. Everybody say, navigate the altars. Verse 24. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophra in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. Gideon took the initiative. He had an encounter with God. He took the initiative. He built an altar to God and says, God is my peace. Now, that is big. If you look at the situation that Gideon was in, and you're like, what is the correlation with peace? But that's, again, the story for another day. God is my peace, he said. He built an altar to God. So we, we, we've taught on altars, and, you know, there's a whole course in GFH Academy on altars. I mean, for, for us, if, you, if you're interested in, in going through that course on altars, altars are so, so powerful. The altar is that meeting place, it's that memorial, it's the place of sacrifice. A altar is the place of persistent spiritual statement. An altar persistently makes statements spiritually. It's, it's big. So, so Gideon built an altar. You have to be an altar man, an altar woman, if you want to go far with God and in life. Build an altar. Built an altar. In verse 25, now, in verse 24 was the one he built. He took the initiative and built. Verse 25, it says, That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull. Oof. It means Gideon used the first bull. <laughs> and they probably are just two bulls that the father had. Otherwise, God would have said, take a second bull. The word of God says, he said, he said, take the second bull from your father's herd. The one that is seven years old, God knows even the age of the pool. Pull down. Everybody say, pull down. Pull down your father's altar to Baal. Gideon was saved, if you will. Gideon already had an altar to God, a personal altar to God. Gideon already had a relationship with God. Gideon already established his own altar to God, but God directed him back to his father's altar and said, you need to pull down your father's altar. Otherwise, you will not be more. You will not be all that God has called you to be. That's big. Many times, sometimes, you know, you know we are running at 200 miles per hour and we are in that place where we're just speeding and it's as if before you know it you're back to 50 miles per hour then you're back to 10 miles per hour you know and that is sometimes operation of altars some people are even grounded altogether that is operations of altars sometimes they are those strong forces that are effective and they are prevalent against people. God directed Gideon, go and pull down 
your father's altar. If Gideon had ignored his father's altar and had said, oh, Lord, I don't care about my father's altar. I have my, uh, to Baal, whatever my father wants to do to Baal or to another God, that's his business. I have my altar with my God and I'm going to go places. I'm going to fulfill my destiny. Fa, fa, fa. Fa. <laughs> you know, you know, if, if you don't know that, you know, you are uh, I like Gen Z or millennial, millennial, you know. Um, but if you do, if you don't, you can learn it. When I say fa fa fa, you say foul. <laughs> so if you say that I want to get rid, I'm going to ignore my father's altars, the altar that was built by my father is not my business. I will just focus on my own altar to God, you know, and, you know, my fellowship with God, my covenant with God, because the altar is the place of covenant. Gideon already had a covenant. I don't care about that I will do nothing about it. And I will fulfill my destiny. God is saying, fa fa fa, foul. You need to tackle the altar raised to Baal. You need to tackle it. You need to tackle it. It says, pull down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down. Now, not just the altar. Cut down the Asherot pole or the Asherah pole standing beside it. The significance of the Asherot pole is the pole of honor. The, 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 the history, um, it is the goddess of Asherah, you know, and that pole, when it's, it's, when it's installed beside the altar of Baal, it is to honor Asherah. It is an alt, it is a pole of honor. In other words, you are not only going to destroy that altar to Baal, you are going to pull down every honor to everything that is not of God that is trailing you in the name of Jesus. You are going to pull them down. So you are not just going to, you are not just going to on, 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 approach the altars of, of, of your fathers to Baal, of your ancestors to Baal. You are going to cut down every honor to Asherah, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God will empower you to pull down every altar to Baal in the mighty name of Jesus and to cut down every pole to Asherah in the mighty name of Jesus and whatever that represents. It says, then, then, build an altar to the Lord your God here at this hilltop sanctuary laying the stones carefully, then sacrifice, everybody say sacrifice, sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole. I mean, that is loaded, loaded, loaded. We can't even begin to unpack that now. You cut down the same wood of the Asherah pole would be fuel for the sacrifice. Whew. Hallelujah. But until then, you have to pull down the altar to Baal. So we now see that not only did Gideon have a personal altar, that is the altar of relationship with God, Gideon needed to tackle 
every other altar that are, that are speaking against him and his destiny, those are the altars obviously set up by people that have influence or had influence in his life. Then he needed to set up an altar which is the destiny altar for where God is taking him. So the altar for your personal consecration is different for the altar for your life destiny. Different. But they, they, they are inseparable. They're inseparable. So to be more, you need the altar of initiative which is that altar of personal covenant of consecration to God, and the altar of instruction, which is the altar of destiny fulfillment. You need the altar of initiative and the altar of instruction. So you need to learn to navigate the altars. Navigate the altars. And when you navigate the altars, when you, when you pull down the altar of Baal, for instance, expect a backlash. Expect a backlash. You will learn to deal with the backlash. You have to learn to deal with the backlash. You have to learn to deal with the backlash. Judges 6.29 says, The people said to each other, Who is this? After asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon. The son of Joash, bring out your son. The men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and cutting down the Asherah pole. Now listen, every time you tackle the altar of Baal, whatever it represents, and cut down the Asherah pole, whatever it represents, in your life concerning your destiny, it's going to be a backlash. There's going to be a backlash. Expect a backlash. A lady years ago, we were having workers training, and you know, long story short, you know, by revelation, word of knowledge, you know, um, and surrendering of gifts, she came forward and said she had a third eye on her forehead, and with that third eye, she uses it to look at people's pregnant people's stomach, she can see the gender of the baby, she can cause trouble, those kind of things. But guess what? She was still, she was a Christian. She had given her heart. She had that um, personal altar of initiative. But that connection to Baal, quote unquote, was still active in her life. In her own case, for some people it is passive. They don't even know. In her own case it is active. And she said, oh, yeah, she wants to lay it down. So she wants to pull it down. By the grace of God, we pulled it down. God removed the eyes. She could not see, use it again because it was totally removed. She said that night she had a backlash. A man, an old man in some robe came to her to attack her, tell her some things, threaten her. But God gave her victory. Every time you pull down, the altar of Baal and cut down the pole of Asherah. Expect a backlash. But guess what? God will give you victory in the name of Jesus. So, expect intense attack. Where, not only when you pull down the altars of Baal 
and cut down the Asherah pole. Expect intense attack when you put up the altars of initiative and the altar of instruction. Judges 6.31, Judges 6.31 says, now, hey, very important, Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? <laughs> Whoever pleases this cause will be put to death by morning. <laughs> Don't you just love this guy? If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. If he's a god, let him defend himself. Do you have a god that can't defend himself? Are you having a god that you need to fight for? You need to kill people for? Then you need to come to Jesus, the real and living God. So we see here that intercession is key to victory when you have a backlash. You see, listen, there must be at least one or two people in your life who have power with God who can stand for you. There must be at least one or two people in your life who have power with God that can stand for you when there's a backlash. So the first thing we see is brutal honesty, a honest admittance of current situation. The second thing we see is that we need to learn to navigate the altars. The third thing to be released into more because you are made for more is to get robed with power. Everyone say get robed with power. Get robed with power. Judges 6, 34 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the Spirit of the Lord will clothe you with power. The Spirit of the Lord will clothe you in power in the name of Jesus. Woo! Listen, every major work, every single major work to be done for God must be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every major work that will be done for God must be done by the power of God. And I pray that God will robe you with power. God will clothe you with power. Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49 says, Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. says, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you from heaven. Stay in the city. Stay until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. God has a great destiny for you. You are made for more. But wait until you get robed. You get filled. You get robed with power. Yes, you are made for more. Yes, you are made to take the mountains. But wait until you are robed with power. Oh, yes, you are made to take territories for God. Yes, you are made to take nations for God. Yes, you are made to take industries for God. But wait until you are robed with power. The NIV says, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Don't rush your assignment. Wait until you are clothed and robed with power. So the first thing 
is a brutally honest admittance of the current situation. The second thing is to learn to navigate altars. The third thing is to get robed with power. And the fourth thing is that you need to get ready to be sifted so that you can soar. You need to be sifted to soar. Everybody say sifted to soar. Sifted to soar. We see in the case of Gideon that he had 32,000 soldiers. 32,000 men. Woo! And God said, too many. Too many. You are going to take nations. You are going to take territories. You are going to take industries. Too many. Tell everyone that has fear. Everyone that is doubting you. Everyone that is disbelieving you. Everyone that has disbelief. That has anxiety. Everyone that is worried. Everyone that is fearful. Tell them to go. Guess what? 22,000 people. Soldiers, 22,000 left. How do you think Gideon felt when 22,000 turned their back and walked away, leaving 10,000? Gideon must have felt the blow as a leader. Trust me. But God said, 10,000? Still too many. Still too many. Judges 7, verse 4. Judges 7, 4. says, But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will what? Test them. Again, God tests us. God tests people. God does test people. He does. And I will test them. He didn't even give Gideon the test. He just said, take them to the stream, I'll test them. It could be a swimming test. It could be a floating test. He didn't, he didn't say. I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And it's, it, it, he did the test. He said, tell them to drink water. And watch, separate those that cup the water and drink it, and those that go down on their falls and, you know, just drink with reckless abandon. <laughs> protocol, protocol, etiquette, courtesy, discernment was being tested, uprightness was being tested, so many things, that, is, that test is loaded, but again, for another day. And only 300 when he separated out of 10,000. So 9,700 people. And these 300 must also be those that refuse um, peer pressure. Because for you to be 300 amongst 10,000 drinking water in a certain way and you still stood your ground and you drank water, in, you must be able to stand alone by yourself. And not caving to peer pressure. So we see 
Verse 6, only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees to drink water with their mouths in the stream. God says this once, not ready. Not ready. Not ready. Gideon's army was reduced from 32,000 strong, quote-unquote, to 300. 300. If, if, if God reduced it to, from 32,000 to 16,000, 50% reduction, that is a lot for a leader. It's a lot. It's a lot for anybody. God did not do 50% reduction. God, if God had done 40% or 20%, that is 60% or 80%, if God had left Gideon with 40% or 20%, it would have, it would have been tough for his mind. God did not even leave him with 10%. 10% is a good number. 3,200 from 32,000, that would be. God did not even leave him with 1%. 1% percent. percent would be 320 people. God left him with 0.9%. 0.9%. He says, in verse 7, it says, The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 I will rescue you and give you victory. And he said something. Send all the others home. You need to send all the others where? Home. Send them back. (laughs) Hallelujah. So you need to be sifted so that you can soar. You need to be sifted so that you are free to spread your wings and to soar. And to soar. You want to be limitless this year? You are made for more, brother. You are made for more, sister. You want to be limitless? You want to go without limits? You want to mount on wings like the eagles? You need to be brutally honest with yourself. Secondly, you need to navigate the altars. Thirdly, you need to get robed with power. Number four, You need to allow yourself to be sifted so that you can soar. You need to allow yourself to be sifted so that you can can mount up with wings as the eagles. And number five, finally, you need to get up and go. You need to get up and go. You have to get up and go. Judges 6.14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with this your strength. Go with the strength you have. I am sending you. I'm the one backing you up, Gideon. I'm, you see, they call him Oromonishe Fayati. In other words, I'm the one that sends you and put my chest. Say, I am the one, Femi. I'm the one sending you. <laughs> Look, when God puts his chest behind your life, nothing can stop you. Absolutely nothing. Everyone that is great and that will be great need God to say, Go, I am with you. And God is saying to you this morning, Go, I am with you.
He said that to Naomi. Go, I am with you. He said to Ruth, go, I am with you. He said to David, go, I am with you. He said to Joseph, go, I am with you. He said to Gideon, that we have learned, go, I am with you. And he said to Jesus, go, I am with you. So to be released into more, to be limitless and to be released into more than you are, take it from where you are to where you ought to be, God is saying to you, you need to be brutally honest. You need a honest admittance of your current situation. Number two, you need to navigate altars. Number three, you need to get robed with power. Number four, you need to get sifted to soar. And finally, you need to get up and go. You need to get up and go. You need to get up and take that mountain for God. You need to get up and take that city for God. You need to get up and take that business for God. I see you rising up and taking territories for Jesus. I see you getting up and taking over the mountains that God has assigned to you. I see you getting up and taking over the mountain of health, the mountain of education, the mountain of politics, the mountain of of media, all the mountains that God has assigned to you. I see you getting up and taking the mountains in the name of Jesus. If you are here, and you see, the truth is this. Many of you, God has been working on your hearts before today. And you ask like, Pastor, I need to give a honest, a honest admittance of my current situation. If I were to be brutally honest, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are, we want to pray with you. That is me. If you are online, same thing. We want to pray with you. That is me. Wherever you are, Pastor, pray with me. If that is you, put up your hand. Now, over your head, wherever you are, online, in church, keep the hands up. 